so many businesses, especially in the B2B space, are a bit esoteric. We're making conversations about getting attention count today with John Follis. Quite honestly, so many businesses, especially in the B2B space, are a bit esoteric. 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 Marketing trends. Oh, print, radio, outdoors, TV ads. Then we move on to blogs, podcasts, video and social media platforms. And you only have so long to get somebody's attention. Seven seconds, 30 seconds, 30 minutes. Is that too long? I hope not, because we've got a bit longer than that in store for you today. It doesn't matter what you do or who you serve. What matters is that you are found where you need to get their attention. So mentioning all of those different spaces before. Well, of course, it's common sense, isn't it? But you do also need to know what your message is and why people will get excited. So let's get into the conversation with John about how to start curating those messages. I started podcasting in early 2006. Yeah. When I was learning about it in 2005 and was fascinated by the concept, especially back then, that you could be sitting in front of your computer like we're doing and talk to virtually anyone. I don't know if it was around the world at that time, but it was certainly around the country. And I'm a very curious, interested person, interested in other people. So the idea that I could have people that I find interesting to have a one-on-one conversation with was fascinating. But as you just pointed out, my main motivation was doing exactly what you just said, because I found myself, I had walked out of a partnership with a partner who was a brilliant new business guy. I was the creative genius and he was the new business genius. And so I didn't have to worry about finding business. That was his job and he did it very, very well. When I walked out of that partnership, I suddenly found my, first of all, I didn't think I could survive without another person wearing that hat and looked desperately for probably a year and a half, two years. Uh, And it was like, you know, trying to find a a spouse. You know, uh, I was hoping that I would be fine, just that perfect partner. Didn't happen. And at that point, I realized I would have to become that person, whether I liked it or not. If I wanted to stay independent, if I didn't want to try to get a job somewhere, I had to figure out how to engage with prospects. So when I heard about podcasting in in 2005, I thought, I have got a couple of options. I can try to chase after business, or I can have dangle the shiny object in front of people. And back then, most of the people you talked to weren't even sure what a podcast was. They just knew it was the new shiny object. Yeah. But most people couldn't tell you exactly what it was as a new business strategy. These were people I invited small business owners that I wanted to have a conversation with, with the hope, allowing them to get to know me and have a comfort level with me that they would consider working with me as a marketing consultant. Unfortunately, that strategy didn't really work out that way. 
I, I realized after maybe talking to four, six, eight people that because I was introducing myself as the host of the marketing show, that it was hard for me to flip the script and say, oh, and by the way, I'm a marketing expert, ex-advertising guy, and could really help your business. It just, I, you know, that first impression was was 90% of how they perceived me. Yeah. So uh, after doing it a half a dozen times, I just realized that strategy is probably not going to work out. And let me just try to find the most interesting people on subjects I'm really interested in talking about. Everyone I basically emailed and invited on the show said, I'm not exactly sure what a podcast is, but yeah. I, you know, I basically said it's an opportunity for you to talk about your business for 30 minutes to a worldwide audience for free. As far as a, a quantifiable, a measure of getting business, hard to say. But what I learned from those conversations was immeasurable because there were so many things happening between 2006 when I started and 2012. I mean, that was at the dawn of Facebook and LinkedIn and Google and blogs and search engine optimization and all these things that didn't exist yeah. prior to that. So I would get experts on all of those topics. And it was just an amazing education. Well, I was just writing some notes down earlier and coming up to a, a milestone and going, oh, how do I pick which conversation has affected me the most or motivated me the most or you know it's such an emotive thing you know it's it's become it's, and got a life of its own the podcast has from all the different conversations like you say John it is the what you learn and what you take away it's like the, it's permanently you're, you're being mentored and mentoring it's just such a fabulous feeling I understand that jarring of, you know, I'm the host because then people think it's your job and you're being paid to do it. And that's not quite how it works in podcasting. You know, you're you're self-funded, you're self-driven unless you've got a corporate behind you. Yet it, you do have to put in some self-promotion to say, you know, look, I hope you like what I'm doing. I hope you like me enough. I hope you learned to trust my judgment calls and some of the responses that I give or some of the questioning that I do so that you would, you know, pick me if ever you needed help in that area. But it does feel odd and it's taken a very long time to kind of see how you interject that, you know, I'm doing this because this is kind of a passion project and I love conversations. And like you, John, I'm curious but also I'm here, I need to make money. Yeah, in retrospect, I could have mixed up the podcast so it wasn't always me interviewing someone else, but maybe it could have been me talking about my expertise and and doing it a little bit more self-promotionally. I tried to do an, an intro and an intro that referenced my blog and things like that, but that wasn't enough. And, you know, whether or not I could have done anything that would have changed the perception and caused or, or made the podcast a tool to get people to contact me, I don't know. It, it could have just been the nature of it being a podcast that 
it may not be the best tool to get business. I mean, every I've, I've been on a ton of podcasts. And it just seems like everyone who's doing it is kind of doing it for the same reason as you, but it's not a money generator for them. So I think it's really the exception that that's been the case. Yeah. You've got to as be famous brand, already. Yeah. Yeah. As a branding tool and that sort of a thing. And it has many other benefits. And it's part of the reason why after doing it for as long as I did, which was about six years, I just decided it was no longer a good return on my investment, my time investment, you know. And the thing is, though, John, it's sometimes it's about timing as well, isn't it? You know, I've kind of came into it when, you know, as I said, it's a, it was a podcast. It was a covid baby. It was because I've got time. But then equally in the marketplace, there was lots of people who suddenly had the time to launch a podcast. So there was a bit of a boom there. A huge boom. And, huge. But then yeah. the competition stiff. So you've got to be exceptionally good. Or, you know, the quality's got to be there. It's got to be great listening. But there's also been a huge learning curve around podcasts and what, what they are for and why you would want to listen. My husband, he doesn't do any of the social media platforms. And he's like, you've got a, you've got a what? Cast? You know, and I found a podcast that was about his football club. And he listened to that and I, and he said, oh, I didn't think that's what it was. And, and it's these conceptions, isn't it? You know, it's basically it's sort of when people say it's radio interviews that have just gone into a fixed format. There's been a huge education as well in terms of what podcasts is about, what kind of material you can listen to as well. I mean, there's genres on anything and everything now, isn't there? There's so many podcasters like yourself who are doing it really, really well. In fact, congratulations on that award. That is a nice credential to have, right? Thank you. And our final award of the night, the Bullseye Award. Who do we got? Okay, the last one, last one. And then came, and then came cancer, or then came breast cancer, I should say. Getting emotional. History story time. Jimmy's jobs of the future. Locked up living, making conversations count. Ooh, thank you so much, Sam. So there you have it. Congratulations to all the nominees. What an absolutely stellar lineup. A lot of people uh, are doing good jobs at how many people can say they've been nominated for a significant award, right? I mean, awards, I think, are good, a good branding tool for credibility. And not many people can claim them. I've always tried to keep my my fingers in the pot of the evolving media landscape. So unlike a lot of my peers who would just either ignore the new things that were coming along or just or be confused by them and dismiss them, I always wanted to learn more about them. Not so much recently because I haven't really needed to, so I get to focus on more personal passion projects. So I've slipped a little bit as far as keeping up with Instagram and TikTok and some of the newer shiny objects. When I was more proactive with my business, I just, I felt I, I had to stay involved with it because it was all part of marketing. So with podcasting right around the same time was, was blogs. And so I, again, I, you know, started getting involved with these things simply because A, I was curious about them and B, because 
I felt I needed to, if I was going to continue branding myself as a, as a marketing expert, I do not just know about them, but had the experience of being involved with them. So then when I talked to prospects, I, I could, I really knew what I was talking about. I mean, there are so many platforms that businesses can expose themselves. I like, I like that word. And I know that it depends on who you are and as to which platform works best for clients. But in your own experience with your own business, being a marketeer, has there been one platform that, that has been the, the surefire way for new business? Yeah, everyone's looking for that silver bullet, right? Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't so much about platforms as about the things that are going to get your prospect excited about what it is you're, you're promoting or selling. And, and that's been, you know, more than a social media platform. That's been more of a, how can I say, a means of communication. You know, what, what media form is best? You know, it used to be a question of, is it print, radio, outdoor, or TV? So I think what has transplanted TV has been digital video. I, I'd been doing video since the late nineties. Even previous to that, we did a lot of TV work for the clients we worked with. So whenever you have the ability to get in front of your prospect with some kind of video, I think that's going to have a better chance of engaging them and getting a response from them versus a post on Instagram. Or uh, I mean, this is why TikTok has exploded. This is why Instagram Reels has exploded. It was the same mantra that I was talking about in, in the, uh, you know, 20 years ago, more video, video, video. And why I started in 2013, my company called Big Idea Video, when explainer type, these animated explainer type videos. I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that term. Yeah. But yeah. especially in, with B2B businesses that required a bit of explaining or storytelling, these little animated, these little whiteboard videos became all the rage back then. But uh, so I just think that you can never be too rich, too thin or have too much video is, is kind of the way I look at things. It's not so much spray and pray, is it? It's. You know, when you look at TV advertising, that's going to be premium time on premium channels to right. premium audiences. It's kind of the same cocktail of looking for that formula, isn't it? You know, in being able to put your message in places that people are going to connect well, with it. What it does is it, it forces businesses to realize that People's attention span is very short. They probably are not going to listen or watch to a 30-minute podcast, but they will listen to and watch a 30-second video. And because my training is 30-second TV commercials, there's not a big leap between a 30-second TV commercial that's got to captivate someone get their attention and in that period of time get them interested to know more about your product or service between a TV a TV commercial and a video it's really the same thing so it's not just a matter of having video but having really short compelling creative entertaining 
videos that get people excited about the product or service that you're trying to promote. And because my expertise is writing and design and art direction and video creation, that's what I excel at. That's my skill set. I mean, I don't, I don't come out of the business side of marketing. I come out of the creative side. I'm really, I'm really a creative guy that realized that I've got to, you know, be more smart about the marketing behind the creative. But I just think that every business can have a lot more really compelling, short, creative content. And then the question becomes is how do you get that video in front of the person? But the first step is creating a message that you want to get in front of people, that if they see it, they're going to get excited about it. They're going to react to it. You know, there's a lot of video crap out there, but it's not created by people who are talented at communicating a message in 30, 60 seconds. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It is about getting that curation right, isn't it? Because I know that, you know, it's got to be clear. It's got to be concise. There's got to be a hook and there's got to be a call to action. Right. That's quite a lot and and i always try to do the if you can explain it to a seven-year-old you're going to at least be speaking the same language as most people on the planet Uh, yeah and that's why explainer videos became so popular because they really kind of they dumbed it down with words and pictures almost storybook like a children's storybook with these little animations because quite honestly so many businesses especially in the b2b space are a bit esoteric and you almost you almost have to really break it down to its simple essence. And as a creative person, it was a lot of fun for me at that time to learn some of the software that enabled me to create these animated explainer videos, which a lot there was a big market for it back then. I don't know about now. I haven't really needed to continue pushing that narrative. But yeah, so that's a very long answer to your question. I would just I would say, you know, video, really well done, creative, compelling video. The thing about that is you, you once you have that, you can put that on any platform. You could put that on Instagram. You could put it on TikTok. You could have your YouTube channel. You can you can multi-purpose that. Yeah. And you and sometimes you don't really know what what platform. It really depends on your audience. Where is your audience going to be? You know, if you're talking to people of a certain age, you know, I, I have to say I'm, I'm glad I don't have to think about this stuff right now because I think my mind would explode trying to figure <laughs> this stuff out. Yeah. And I do know exactly what you're talking about, John, because, you know, I have I have a list. I have a workflow of where I have to market the podcast to as just an example. And the list goes on and there are certain things that you you get habitual about. So, you know, you're going to go on LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. But then that list goes deeper because you need YouTube links IMDB, Google Console for the website, you know. So when you start to really break it down, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's a podcast or a video or digital content of any form, whatever it is that you're creating, you've still got to have in mind getting the most out of it to the most people. So, yeah, I I do get it. I did a LinkedIn post a while ago. And I think it was entitled, it was a a blog that I'd written. How do you get anybody's attention these days was the question. And the headline that I put was, I am a man trapped in a woman's body. And it was just talking about the mentality of, 
you know how you how you're taught in the industry that I'm in the the approach that this the training has given me uh, and you just go do you know what it, it it took me nearly 30 years to embrace my feminine side because I'd been taught to be a man in my job so it, it yeah I, I don't know I don't know what the answer is we're, we're still loading the bullets John but, you know. and, and the, the other thing is I, I at least my experience is by the time I figure something out you know Instagram reels it's or changed. TikTok whatever they'll change it yeah. the algorithms would change or there's a new shiny object and you know and then I got to start oh my god now I got to learn about this platform you know and, and, and the funny thing is, right, everybody's going, oh, it's the algorithm, right, which, yes, is a computer. But who programs the computer? It's humans. You know, we're doing this to ourselves. <laughs> Why? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm still fascinated. You know, I could get cynical about it, but it, it's fascinating. But uh, again, as a creative person, I my tolerance for learning about the stuff and this analytical stuff, because a lot of it is very analytical and algorithmic based and all that stuff. My tolerance level for that is limited because at the end of the day, if I'm not creating something, that's, that's really, that's my talent. That's, that's what I do better than most people. Yeah. So if, if I can't do something that allows me to showcase what I'm really, really good at, then, you know, maybe I should hire someone else to figure out all this other stuff because it's... I don't it's... know, John. I I think I would just throw in a caveat now to listeners and say not to stress about it because if you open your ears and listen to those posts that have gone viral, that have gone, you know, off the trajectory scale of ante anticipated expectation... Nobody knows why they've done that. So there's really little point in trying to figure it out. You should just be creative. Go with the flow. Whatever you feel like putting out there is what you should feel like putting out there that day, that time, whatever. Because ultimately, that's what may be the next big deal. Who knows? Yeah. Well, I, I do think it needs to be strategically targeted. You know, I, I'm a big believer in it's not just about being creative. It's about being a disciplined, creative person. You're well aware of what you're trying to achieve. Yes. With the and creative message. You know who you're talking to. You know what media platform it's going to be on. So you can discipline your creative message well enough so it's it's more targeted. Yes, I I agree entirely with you, John. It, you know, I wasn't trying to be flippant about you know yeah. anything else, but it, it is it is simply that when you know what you do and how you help, and the difference that that's going to make, that's kind of your strategy in, embedded in in you, like you know a stick of rock, isn't it? You know, the the message goes through your core, so it's a, then allowing that creativity to happen. We're going to carry on that conversation in just a moment. But first, let me tell you about my Power Up program. An hour and a half with me and accountability later. It's by no means ever going to fix everything. But what it will do is it will allow us to find one area that's a key priority for you to implement straight away 
into your business and allow you to just see the other areas that you need work on. It's a great stepping stone into the 12-week Building Block programme. Just book a chinwag, let's have a natter and let's see how I can help you. In every episode, I like to ask the guest about a conversation that acted as a noticeable turning point. So, John, tell me your conversation. So when I was operating my ad agency and found myself needing to be uh, not just the creative director, but also the new business guy, I realized I had to really step up my networking skills. So I was invited by a, a woman friend of mine to attend a a women in communications uh, meeting in New York City. And some very high-powered women in communications, PR, advertising, marketing, were at this event. I enjoyed the event. I was leaving the event. I was introduced to the president of the organization who said, so glad to have you here, John. I hope you consider becoming a member. To which I replied, I, I thought this organization was called women in communications not women and men in communications she said oh yes yes it's women in communications but we do have some male members and i hope you consider joining i said so how many how many members do you have in total she said oh we have about 500 members and i said how many of them are men she goes oh i think we were up to seven now <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, instead of, you know, leaving that saying, okay, why would I want to join? I said, you know, a seven out of 500. And a lot of the women were pretty good looking and I was single. So I said, <laughs> I may not get any business out of this, but maybe I might get a date, you know? So I joined the organization and it wasn't cheap. I think, again, this was probably, uh, 30 years ago. And I think it was like $400 a year to be a member. And I said, let me give this a shot, see what happens. And every month they would have a big event and I would put on my suit, go on the subway to this event. And often I would find myself after the presentation mingling around and trying to engage in conversations with women. And they were little groups of women and they were all women. Like, like she said, they're just, you know, a couple of guys that would attend these things. And I would find that women would maybe, uh, politely talk to me for a couple of minutes and then wander off and talk with their friends. And I kind of felt like I was at a party that I wasn't really invited to. Oh. And so pretty quickly after joining this group and spending the $400, I started to think what a waste of money this was. But I said, you know, I'm going to, I've got a year membership. I can't give up. Let me keep going. And I went for the next few months and finally one more month to go, and I didn't make any kind of business connections at all. I had a couple of interesting conversations. No business came out of it. So I said, let me just go to the – I had to really, really force myself to go to this last event. And one of the, the women that spoke at this last event was the president of the organization who ran one of the top PR agencies in New York City. And as I left that event – really annoyed that I had spent this money and more importantly, my time over the past year attending all these events, getting no business out of it. I walked into the elevator out of the event and looked over to my left and there in the elevator standing right beside me was the woman 
who was the president of the organization who just gave the most amazing inspirational talk at this event. So I figured, okay, well, I now have one more opportunity to have a conversation with someone and see what happens. So I just looked to her and I said, I, I just have to tell you that I really uh, enjoyed your presentation. I thought it was very inspirational and you were a great speaker. And I was sincere when I said that. And she looked at me and she said, oh, thank you very much. And she said, wait a second, you're a member of this organization? <laughs> and I said, yeah, yeah, I, for the past year I've been a member. She said, wow, that's that's impressive. And then she asked me what I do. Going back to what we said earlier, that my strength is creative. I had a business card, Wendy, that had these very wildly excited-looking eyes, basically taking up the whole space on the front of the business card. And on the back of the business card, it said, in addition to my information, it said, if you want people excited about your business, you have to get them excited about your marketing. And on, again, the other side, these wildly crazy excited eyes. So when she asked me what I did, I simply said, well, I help businesses get their prospects excited. And then I handed her my business card. And that was it. Just those seven words. And meanwhile, the elevator is going down to the first floor, right? So I know I have about, you know, another 30 seconds of conversation before we're going to leave the elevator. And she took a moment. She looked at my business card and she flipped it over and read the back of it. And she said, you know, I think this is the first time anyone who has actually introduced my, themselves with a claim and then immediately supported that claim by something that they handed me. She said, I'm really I, I love your business card. And would you be available to continue this conversation, you know, in another week or two? I've got to get back to the office. I can't keep chatting. But here's my business card. Give me a call and maybe we could grab lunch. And Three months later, I signed a contract for a $93,000 project. Wow. That was a four-month project that I cleared 88000 It's kind of one of the sayings that I always I use all the time, John, which is you just never know where a conversation is going to lead. And this is it, isn't it? You know, it's similar to podcasting, isn't it? You know, you don't know what the quantifiable effects are on your business it's like going to networking is is fairly similar you can be part of a group for a year and be excluded from the little huddles and it's not just because it was women only john you know i think this is a universal thing isn't it is that the body language plays a big part when you're networking as to whether you feel welcome or not sure but it just goes to show that, you know, you, you you kept that open mind that right until the last moment, there's going to be an opportunity here. You know, I've got to keep looking for the opportunity that is here. Right. And what what better reward than for the president of the, of the association? That's amazing. I know. And, you know, you, you got to factor in that, you know, luck was involved in that for sure. A, had I not joined the organization, you know, to begin with, and had I not continued, and I, like I said, I really had to force myself as the year was coming to a close and I continued going to the events with, with no results. I really, really had to force myself to continue going, especially to that last one. I was very, I was almost ready to say, screw it. Why bother going? 
Yeah, I, I think it, it does speak to not not giving up. You kind of I also believe you make your own luck. You could say, oh, well, that was that just lucky that you happened to walk into the elevator right at that time and blah, blah, blah. And she had a project that, you know, you were a good fit for it. Well, that's true. But you also make your own luck, right? Yeah, I mean, it, there's lots of what if, what if, what if. But if you'd have said to yourself, oh, I'm not going to get anything out of this and I'm not going to go, then, well, huh, funny enough, you wouldn't have gone. You wouldn't have gotten anything out of it. So I, I think it's it's that airing on the positivity of I can make this happen and see where it will lead or not and yeah. a, a lot of people do the not and you know you know it's, it's just again it's, it's like anything you, you i think you have to have an ultimate goal you can't just be doing things without having some kind of a plan or strategy or a goal and you know my goal with that was to hopefully meet someone that i could be a good answer to their problem when I met that woman, we did have that lunch and it was at that lunch where we could talk in a relaxed environment where she could introduce the situation and learn more about me to determine whether or not I would be a good solution to the problem that she was facing with one of her clients that needed an advertising campaign. So, uh, yeah, you have to, you know, keep doing things and hope for the best, but I think it, it also, you can't do that without having a, a clear strategy and a goal that you're trying to achieve. Uh, and you've got to not be scared to put yourself forward and ask the right questions to, to be sure that you're using your time in the best manner as well. You know, you're not going to just go for lunch just in case. Right. You know, she said that she'd got something in mind. So your goal would be to find out what she'd got in mind. Right. But it's then how do how you present yourself without just turning on the sales pitch, isn't it? Yeah. And listen, you could, you know, I think part of the problem with social media is that people just post, 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 post. And they don't realize that, you know, sometimes it just feels like it's all going into a black hole. At the end of the day, if you're not having conversations with real people in real time, you could you could be posting like crazy and nothing's going to happen. And maybe, you know, you can hope that one of your posts is going to get a response. But you've also got to realize that you've got to do whatever you can ultimately to create a conversation with someone. Yeah. yeah. Which is, funnily enough, John, what I teach people to do. There you go. <laughs> Little shameless plug there. But uh Oh, I'm, I'm, it's fascinating that and did after that project, did that give you the confidence to to do more in terms of the new business side of things? Because it, it wasn't naturally a fit for you. But did it did it build your confidence as well? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it certainly was um, an unexpected and very rewarding conclusion to my membership in that organization 
ironically, I did not renew my membership in that organization. <laughs> and you could afford it. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what was going on, but I think I found some other organizations. You know, I, I, I always had to look for new avenues and venues to network and I maybe replace that organization with another organization simply because I had gone the full year and had many, many conversations and it was only, you know, on the elevator out of the building on the last one. So I, even though I, I did get that, I just thought there might have been other organizations that would be more yeah, fruitful. More fruitful. Ah. Fruitful. Yeah. But you know, it's a crapshoot. It's just a new business. It's something I think every business owner, depending on their situation, has to be as good as they can possibly be at it. Because if you are the face of your business, even though you may not be comfortable with it, I think you have to uh, know how to present yourself and get yourself in front of people, which is why another thing that I, I forced myself to do was to speak as much as possible. And rather than be an audience member, and, you know, wait till the presentation was done and then afterwards try to engage with some of the people in the audience. I figured if I was the featured person, that's a way for me to introduce myself to everyone in the in the audience. Right. And then have people come to me afterwards. Yeah. So that was it's always it's always better to be the person on stage than be the person in the audience listening to that person on stage. So. I tried to do that as much as possible. And that, that, that was actually a better strategy for me to be the, the, the person on the stage because I did get business from doing that. Yeah, I think um, there's, it's a massive marketplace as well, isn't it? Hugely rewarding both for, for yourself personally and, and for the business. Certainly if you're up there sharing lots of valuable insights, which I'm sure you And do. now, you know, because the way things have changed, that stage has become Zoom. That yes. stage has become the, the computer. So I would encourage people to, if they have a business, to feel comfortable talking about their product or service in a way that's engaging to their, their, their prospective audience, you know, and, and I think podcast being a guest is a good way to do that. Absolutely. And, you know, lots of things in business. And I think I've said this many a time is there are things that we're all going to have to do in business that we don't like doing. Do the things that come naturally to you and do those really well. But it's worth pushing yourself to embrace some of these other technologies and and platforms, isn't it, to to be able to reach your audience and, and get comfortable with it. It's going to take practice. Well, you recently had a, a guest on your show who was a woman who spoke at Google, right? Oh, yes, yeah, Simone. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I didn't hear the, the whole thing, but this was a woman who got herself to speak on stage. I don't know if it was done virtually or, or physically on stage. Physically but, on stage, yeah. Yeah, which is not an easy thing to do, especially uh, with Google, right? It's July 2005. And I'm standing at the departure gate of Perth International Airport. And my mother isn't speaking to me. In fact, she hasn't spoken to me for six months because I announced that I would be leaving my university degree midway to launch a career in entertainment. And I don't know exactly how she got invited. But social it, media. Social, oh, yeah, that's right. She said it was an Instagram post or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's a there's a, uh, you know, high five for social media. And again, it, I would be interested now knowing that story. 
I want to look at her social media content to see what she's posting on social media because if if it was an Instagram post that got Google uh, interested in her to enough to invite her to speak, I want to see what that was, right? Yeah. Because it's not just it's not just posting, but it's what is the content that you're posting and is it engaging and exciting people? So obviously, in her case, it was doing that. And she said it and understand, understandably that kind of turned her career around when you get a speaking gig at Google. I mean, that's you, you don't it doesn't get better than that. Right. Maybe exactly. Ted, maybe a Ted talk. Yeah, she she did say, actually, that uh, and she talks about, you know, it's a half an hour talk that she gives at Google, but she delivered a minute of brilliance. And it was that mil- a minute of brilliance that she was able to pick out. And use as her Instagram reel or whatever it was. Yeah. So, you know, kudos to her for her editing abilities, you know, to take that nugget. And I think that, you know, that's that was pretty smart. And and that's I think that's a creative use of the media where you just don't throw a lot of stuff up there. You really take the time to make sure that what you're posting there in 30 seconds or 60 seconds is going to be brilliant. Yes. And to use her words, right? This is what gets people's attention because, you know, audio, video, it cuts through the written word, I think. You know, the written word has it has its place. But I think audio and video, you can just get to the heart of things, can't you? Well, the thing is, I don't think people read anymore, you know, especially <laughs> if you have the choice of Clicking on a, a, you know, when they social media, it's swipe, 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 you know, quick sound bites, video sound bites. So it's very different than it was 20 or 30 years ago when there was a lot more stuff to read. And I think we're, we're trained with because of platforms like Instagram Reels and TikTok to just watch short videos. Yeah. I, I mean, they say, don't they, that it's our attention span. Yet when you consider how much time you find yourself dead scrolling, looking for that bit of content that will actually, you know, excite you, you could probably lose a good half an hour and longer in a day over the course of a day. Yet if you were to, to show yourself those stats of how much time you waste, would you have preferred to have immersed yourself in a book? I think it's generational, uh, Wendy. Yeah. I think when you talk to people my age, maybe your age, they they would agree with you about the book. It would be interesting to ask people under 30 uh, how many books they've read this year. <laughs> uh, yes. Cause, I know, would say the answer for most people would be zero. <laughs> if it was... Um... You know, going throwing down Brad Sugar's challenge that he gave on the show, which is, you know, a book a week. It, you know, what what week are we on now? I don't even know. It's like 30 something, isn't it? So I, I'm a big book reader, but I, even I confess I've got more books that unread that I want to read at the moment than the other way around on the bookshelf that are read. So, yeah, it's it's just about using your time wisely, isn't it? And, and knowing your audience, you know, if you're if you're trying to appeal to people over 60, then write a book. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if you're trying to appeal to people under 30, be on TikTok. Yeah, or or it, translate it into audio 
you know, an audio book. <laughs> well, everything should be an audio book, regardless of the age. You know, yeah. there's a real advantage that I mean, I'm I'm all for video podcasts, but I'm sure you you know the statistics that about you know 80 or 90 percent of the people who digest podcasts do it through the audio only format because you could be walking on the beach or walking you know anywhere or driving in your car or you know whatever and and getting that content you don't need to see my face sitting in front of my you know computer to get the message so having listened to everything that john and i talk about we really don't have to tolerate the algorithms you can create the content that you want to create because viral posts have a life of their own. And of course, it's quite intriguing listening to John becoming an honorary male member. But of course, it was because he was open to opportunities through conversation. Are you open to conversations and spotting those opportunities? Are you creating the conversations that you need in your business? If you need some help, do reach out. Now, of course, I'd always encourage you to pick up the phone to me, but a lovely message on LinkedIn or by email is a great place to start. Next time on the show, I'm joined by Lux Narian, and we're going to play a little game called Name, Place, Animal, Thing. Now, Lux deals with webinar software, but it can be a little bit dull, can't it? So he's done something to bring more interaction to webinars. So we're going to be making live chat conversations count. Most of the folks that featured in their obituaries had done their first significant achievement, I think around the age of 42 or so, right? So that that is an instant lesson in the virtues of patience.